It's tough being a teen, and it's even tougher when you're saving the world, but still have to be home in time to finish your algebra homework. On today's episode, Mikey gets sucked into the black hole that is Hulk continuity, Charlie thinks Matt Murdock should probably be evil in every reality, and we both come to the realization that there are way, way too many spider people. and welcome to The Young Ones, a podcast about teen superhero teams and why we love them. My name is Charlie, and I use they, them pronouns. And I'm Mikey, and I use he, him pronouns. And this is episode seven, which, if this were an anime, this maybe would be the filler episode of the anime. But it's not going to be like filler that you want to skip. It's going to be a really good filler. Would it be a beach episode or a spa episode or something else, Charlie? Um, I'd say for the content, I'm thinking I'm going to probably call it like I'm probably going to say like a hot springs. It'd be like a hot An springs onsen episode. An onsen episode, yeah. Yeah, hot springs episode because like there's just some shenanigans that happen in those. Right, exactly. Yeah, so um, if you already haven't guessed, um, you know, we have finished the Young Avengers inform- information. <laughs> we finished the Young For Avengers now. issues that we were going to cover. And so we finished volume one. And well, we will be going. Them, but... No, not all of them. We will cover the rest of them. But um, we're going to have this little little filler spot, and then we're going to have our interview that we're going to do next week with Christina Strain, and then we'll go into some Runaways material. Um, but in the meantime, you all get the introduction to Spider Gwen. Yay! That happened in 2014. So we wanted to cover the introduction to yeah the introduction to Spider Gwen, which we wanted to cover, and we weren't really sure. What we were going to cover this week, um, we did have a couple of other things we were thinking about, but decided that covering this one issue would probably be a lot simpler than trying to cover like a mini arc or trying yeah. to slice down something that we um, already may or may not have read. So this is where we're at. Yeah, because even the some of the four issue arcs that we were thinking about doing, that would have been way, way, way too much for just one episode. That would have been a lot of content and very little time. Yeah, and we're trying not to make these episodes two hours long. Um, yeah. but <laughs> also trying to do something a little bit more relaxed, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, this is um, this is completely chill. This is a chill time. Yeah, this is Spider Gwen. So this came out in 2014. Um, when that whole thing was announced, this is her first appearance in a title called the Edge of the Spider Verse. Edge of Spider Verse. Edge of Spider Verse. Colon. Right. Spider-Gwen. So Edge of Spider-Verse was an event, a Marvel event that went on in 2014 that followed from like, okay, so going to try to give a brief overview and cut out a lot of the ridiculous stuff. So prior to this, there had been an event called Original Sin, which was basically just a bunch of retcons. Um, So there were a ton of retcons. So... There were also a ton of characters that were introduced as like being part of canon or like something that we knew about them wasn't true or we didn't know something about them and it had been like in the background all this time and 
all of a sudden, like all of these secrets that had been hiding were un- uh, were unveiled. And one of the things that was unveiled was that there was another spider that came from Old Man Logan universe, right? No. Where did Cindy Moon come from? <laughs> the same spider that bit Spider-Man bit her. Oh, right, right, right. What in the world kind of story were you making up? No, there's another weird spider person that came out of Old Man Logan universe. Okay, there are a lot of weird spider people, and this is kind of why, this is kind of what's going on in this entire crossover. Right. So all you need to know, basically, is that this whole crossover was supposed to be a way to get every spider person that had existed or that people wanted to exist in one, like, big event. And so there are, like, every once in a while, there are spider events. Like, there was Spider Island um, a couple years before this that was just, like, an island in New York City was overtaken by spiders, and, you know, all the spider people had to help fight the spiders, and also Cloak and Dagger. Who knows why they were involved? I don't really know that much about it. I just know that it was a thing that happened. Yes. So I didn't really know that much about this event. Um, apparently, there was a vampire <laughs> named Morlin who has this extremely sexy like picture, sexy in like a like weird way because he's also like old and decrepit looking. <laughs> Basically, who wants to steal and eat all the spider totems and also marry the spider bride. Also, he's basically what you need to know is that he's like going, he's like universe hopping and killing a whole bunch of spider people from across all the alternate realities. Yeah, in order to protect some other spider people. But like, whether that's actually, whether that's what he thinks is true or not is unclear. You really don't need to know any of that coming into this story. Yeah, it's just like weird ephemera. It's just (laughs) the nice thing other than like the weird spider-verse stuff is other than that this entire story is self-contained which is also very nice yes and if you know anything about spider gwen you know that obviously she has her own series it's been going on for quite a while now um but this is like her inception so yeah her first first appearance and the spider gwen series came out of this actually because the response to her was so like marvel was blown away about how much people like this character actually and how could you not yeah honestly but this is a story um written by jason latour who you may or may not know as the writer of the brief volume two of wolverine and the x-men which is how i came to know his writing um and the pencils on this are by robbie rodriguez and so are the inks and the colorist is rico renzi and all three of them have been working on this spider gwen stuff since this inception of her so they've actually been the creative team like on her the entire time which is very rare now yeah it doesn't usually happen they're they're they they really play really well together and there's not too much to talk about on this cover here because it's just a picture it's just a picture of spider gwen (laughs) in front of like silhouettes of new york city yeah and one of the coolest things about gwen is her spider woman like outfit 
Like, I think that's really what turned a lot of people on to her, mm. other than just, like, the idea of it, because her costume design is awesome. And Jason Latour, like, he's a really good writer, but he, like, makes these outstanding designs. He makes some really awesome designs. Yeah, he's also an artist. Yes. So he and Jason Aaron, who's another, actually the person that wrote volume one of Wolverine, the X-Men, work on a series called Southern Bastards, right? Mm-hmm. Where... Jason Aaron is the writer and Jason Latour is the artist. Mm. So he uh, can both write and draw, which is also very rare. Yeah. And he, like I said, he makes some killer designs. Like Spider-Gwen's awesome. Like the the stuff that's going on in her book right now where she's um, been bonded to the Venom symbiote, the, the Gwenom stuff. Um, like the Spider-Gwen like Venom thing is also like a very good design that he also came up with and all some of the designs from the second volume wolverine and the x-men um like quentin choir like phoenix quentin choir like i really like those designs a lot so yeah thumbs up he was not responsible for gwenpool though right that was just like another no. weird thing that came out of that's this. a thing that's happening and it's not even anything to do with this in any way shape or form well right it was just like people like Gwen as these other weird characters. Well, no, that's not Gwen Stacy. That is a completely different character. Oh, well, then never mind. Yeah, I don't know if you I just say I don't know if you knew that, but it's definitely not. I, did I didn't not. know that until I picked that book up just to look at it. Don't worry. Oh, okay. I just assumed that it was. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I mean, I'm not really into reading like everything Deadpool unless another character that I like is in it. There was honest. a bunch of um there were a bunch of variant covers. Um when when um Spider Gwen got really popular, like they did a whole like month worship worth of variants where all the characters are Gwen. <laughs> so I understand your confusion. <laughs> um but anyhow, this like I said is a pretty self contained story and it takes place in Earth sixty five. So there are a lot of things different about Earth 65. Yeah. We'll get into it. But um, we kind of open with... We open very explosively. We do. And that's one of the things I really like about this book is that it... I'm going to call it a book. I'm going to say this is the issue. But I really love the colors. Like, I love the yeah. art and the colors. It is... It, like, pops right out at you and it kind of just tells you everything you want to know about how, what you're going to be reading yeah. And the Rodriguez's art is also very fluid and dynamic in the way that almost like a cartoon would be yes. where the characters are allowed to like deform and like not be 100% photorealistic all the time. And I think it works really well for like a spider book, but also like a teen book mm -hmm. um, because it, it's very dynamic in that way. So we open with Midtown High with a bunch of like um lines coming out of this very big and like erratic text that just says face it tiger this is your shot face it tiger it's all you got face it tiger and um then we cut to Mary Jane Watson saying cut essentially on the song and she's very mad because they can't get it right yes so we open up on a uh all female punk rock band Called the, the Mary, Mary Janes, Janes. <laughs> which is just a very good concept. Yeah, which is also like, I think that 
like this one panel very quickly establishes that this is like also not the MJ that we know and love, like the like demure girl next door. Like, oh yeah, she's the leader of a punk rock group that she's named after herself. <laughs> yeah, and that kind of tells you all you need to know. Yep. But it's yeah, no, I I really like that. This is like it's one issue, but it establishes everything you kind of need to know in this like one issue. So like that first page and then as we kind of go forward yeah so we get like so flash thompson is i guess letting them use the gym and they're all arguing about like what you know but basically about mj being a perfectionist while gwen just kind of like sits in the background and, and she's the drummer of this band which is very a very important role in a band yeah but like she's content to like sit back and just drum yes and after we get this like her looking like her in the background kind of looking forward and just kind of zoning out we get the previously in spider-woman splashed against the next page in the middle of the panels where we get the whole backstory right so they're acting as if it's an ongoing series but it's not this is her first appearance so like that made me really confused when i first read it but as a narrative device it's very good because it's like this is a the whole concept of spider verses you know all of these spider verses have been existing and going on so it's like this one it's like as if we've pulled a comic out of like some hammer space where it didn't exist before yeah no it's really awesome and we get a we get some more splashy colors and we get the backstory of this Gwen Stacy and what happened to her as she was bit by the spider. Yeah, so it's like a very familiar story of like a spider origin, or is it? Because there's a couple things that are different other there than are Gwen getting quite bit. Quite a few things that are a bit different. We still have J. Jonah Jameson. That has yeah, not changed. That's for sure. And he still <laughs> hates spider people. Yes, he does. But for but... a very different reason. Yes, um, because we learn that in a in a some like just a few panels that when Gwen got bit by the spider, um, the only person that she shared that with was her best friend Peter Parker, and he, just like Peter Parker in the six one six, was kind of nerdy kid who got bullied, and yeah. he decided so he Gwen was... started heroing first. Yes, like after she got bit, because we see the panel and. I really like that with that too. Like we see a lot of like Stark Industries and Hammer Industries and Rocks and Dazzler. Energy. Dazzler. Dazzler is is doing concerts. Um, Janet Van Dyne is still alive and doing um, photo shoots. Uh, so like that sets up very quickly again that this is you know a little bit different than the status quo because Dazzler was retired at this point and I think. Like, Janet was definitely, like, she's not doing her fashion thing anymore, because the Wasp used to be, like, this fashionista, uh, but that's not happening. Um, and that's in Times Square. And so, um, yeah, so Peter's getting bullied. Yeah, Peter's getting bullied, and he decides he's not going to let Gwen basically uh, stand up for him anymore, because she has powers now. And he comes up with a serum, it looks like, and he turns into the lizard. Yeah, rather than honors, yeah. Yeah. And then as he's like dying, <laughs> that goes down a very bad path. Yeah, it doesn't go good. No. Um the lizard never goes good really. No, because in a confrontation it looks like with Spider-Woman 
he dies and and he says he just wanted to be like you yeah that's that's always everyone's downfall isn't it you just want to everybody wants to be special but not everybody can be um and that leads the whole city to believe and the police to believe that spider-woman is the one that killed peter parker however that is not true kind of sets up our status quo here yeah and then we go back to the present day also of note is J. Jonah Jameson is the one to say, um, he says, Spider Woman and those like her must learn that with their great power comes an even greater responsibility. So again, like flipping the script. Yeah. Like we don't have an Uncle Ben here. No. We just have a very, very guilty, even if it's not her fault, Gwen Stacy. Who is currently lost in her drumming, even though yes. band practice is over. That. <laughs> and they all make her know that too. So she basically stops abruptly because um, she's like kind of lost in thought. And we kind of see that the status of the Mary Janes maybe isn't that great because Gwen keeps kind of ditching them. Yeah. Well, also, you know, like there's there's some inner band strife even past that. Also, yes. I do like the the like music related like names that they're calling her because to get her attention they say yo Def Leppard and then Jay-Z Louise <laughs> which is just it's really silly but it it's I think it works really well yes um Jason Latour is very good at that kind of thing yeah like he he really likes to like kind of ham it up on some of the dialogue when it when it's funny to be there and it never feels like it's out of like out of place and it's just there for yeah. a, a laugh but Jay-Z Louise maybe is questionable but <laughs> Just because, like, I can't imagine a human being actually saying that in real life. But <laughs> this isn't real but, life. It's a comic book. So No, exactly. Um, but it looks like uh, Gwen's not about to stick around to figure out what's going on um, with everybody because she's making her way outside. And even though her friend is her friend, Glory, who I don't think has an equivalent in the I don't think so either, um, is impressing on her that you know you've been really out of it lately and this is a really big deal for us like this is a big gig that we're practicing for like we need to be able to trust each other and you know just kind of get it together so mj is not impressed and as gwen leaves um her friend glory says she's just gone a lot on her mind yeah and it's it, that's pretty clear um and we kind of figure out Maybe why everything's weighing so heavily on her, other than the fact that she is, you know, feels like she's responsible for Peter's death. And we, we don't really know how long ago that was, but we can assume it was probably pretty recently mm-hmm. um, because she's talking to her dad on the phone um, while she's in her Spider-Woman like, getup. I think first she, so she's sitting on a billboard uh, that says, stop the Spider-Woman, call blah, blah, blah cash some reward i think she's actually calling like the helpline because it start it's 1555 and that's what she's dialed on her phone as well and then she hangs up and says i'm sorry peter good catch because i didn't catch that yeah so she's like it's like the thing the way i interpreted it is you know like in movies when people like pass away or gone and people like continuously call their voicemails just to hear their voice. Like mm-hmm. I kind of figured it was kind of a similar thing as she's dealing with both her grief and the fact that she has all these things that she can't tell anyone else. Yeah. And she does, you know, then talk, you no, know, at that point, um, she actually calls her dad, who we figure out 
um, is Captain Stacy, and he is the police chief. Yeah, and she, which is she, you know, not not great, not great if you're a wanted criminal. <laughs> yeah, you know, right before she does, she says, "I'm sorry, Peter, but what do I do? I can't quit." So you know, she feels like an obligation to like Peter's death has to mean something, which is also you know a lot. Um, but yeah, no, calling your police dad with earbuds in when you're in your costume and he doesn't know you're a superhero to talk to him about band practice is a look. That's for sure. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, it's probably that's not so the, much. Yeah, it's probably not the um, necessarily the smartest thing anybody could do. She's no. under a lot of stress. I, she's under a lot of stress, I understand. Yeah, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, have this chat about whether I'm going to go to college or stay in the music industry while I'm swinging through the streets of New York City. Normalcy, right? Yeah. So it's all about maintaining normalcy. And I really like the panel at the top of the page here where it's just like Gwen and she's got those ear, she's got those earbuds in and she's like swinging down off of a building. And I just really love how dynamic that is. Mm -hmm. Like, you can see her, like, the back of her hood, which is, like, one of the coolest parts, in my opinion, of her whole costume, is oh, her yeah. hood. And, um, you know, just the way that she's kind of, you can see her having started web, sling web slinging in the back and, like, moving forward and then jumping off the building, like, and down. That's, like, a really great panel layout. Yeah, no, it's really good. And, again, like, Rodriguez's arc is just so dynamic. And... You know, as she talks to her dad, you see he's looking at the Daily Bugle and, you know, Spider-Gwen's all over the front. And he says, um, you're as smart, talented and resilient as they come, Gwen. If you pay attention, life will show you where you're needed the most. And so we get like that last bit of dialogue over the headline, Stacy stalks spider killer, which, you know, just a little bit of dramatic irony with your emotions. Yeah, just a little bit. And it's, you know, and then we kind of see, you know, Gwen, Gwen's basically trying to mind her own business, even if she's in her Spider-Woman outfit. Um, yeah, by walking on the top of a, a, tr a train. She's trying to, you know, when you try and get someplace like real fast or you're really trying to get somewhere. I'm giving I mean, her a lot of, I'm cutting her a lot of slack, okay? Yeah, she's going through a time. She is, and she doesn't deserve to have a gun pulled out on her by a police officer. <laughs> True. I do really love, so she winds up because, like, Captain Stacy hangs up with her on the phone, and and she's trying to say something, and then we get a spider sense, like, tingling going off as someone in the background uh, yells freeze. I really love the spider sense visual here. It's like a bright, yes. like, electric green. Yes, it's great. It's so good. And this this guy is like, um, she calls him McNutty, um, <laughs> and he's like shaking and like super afraid of her as she like yeah. jumps off the train to stand in front of him or not really stand to hang off the wall in front of him, which is maybe a little more intimidating than she intended to be. It's a bit extra, if we're being <laughs> honest. Yeah, but it's you know she's. She's just trying to, like, kind of leverage with it, like, kind of, like, leverage with this guy here. And he's, like, you know, calm still down. Got, he's, like, super scared of her and, like, lets off, t like, lets two shots off. 
and in the middle of a crowded subway platform exactly and like thankfully she's got like her spider sense and like also is great at jumping because and otherwise web-slinging. yeah and web slinging because he does she does uh kind of like stick him together with webs against the wall yeah, and, and so that, stick that, point, that in your donut hole <laughs> because at that point um he is like looks like he's about to pee his pants yeah and he's but he's doing this in full view of a um security camera so she says um you know if your buddies see this you're gonna live on the internet forever forever ever not just forever but forever ever <laughs> yeah and she caught she calls into the she calls into the um to the police scanner. <laughs> yeah, cuz and apparently she knows police codes. Um probably cuz her dad's a cop, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh there's more units on route and she's like trying to teach this guy a lesson and then realizes that the units that are on route are here for her. Yeah. She tells him to be better than this and he's like better than you. And she says, looks never killed anybody, pal. <laughs> and we get a chase away from... She leaps up onto the, like, up onto the wall and then basically... another. No, she's on another train. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. And then basically runs where they can't follow her. Or so she thinks because there's a helicopter that's there to get her. And they've got snipers trained on her and the whole nine yards. It's a bad situation. Yeah, maybe, like, she she says, like, uh, Captain Stacy's got you boys whipped into shape because she didn't expect them to uh, <laughs> get here that fast. Exactly. Maybe underestimated them a little bit. Yeah, as spiders are so wont to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then we go to a nice restaurant scene with a, pan- like, pancakes, burger, chicken and fries and a big old t-bone steak two t-bone steaks there's a lot here there's a lot happening in this cutaway panel yes i feel like the dialogue on this page is really good (laughs) it's really good i would like to tell you i would like to tell you that this uh panel does contain one of my favorite like spins on anything in an alternate universe, especially in this alternate universe with a character that we already know about, like that we all know who he is. And that mm-hmm. is because uh, Matt Murdock, Daredevil, is straight up a bad guy in this universe. Yeah. It's like, it's, they try to, it's it's the kind of bad guy where it's like trying to be subtle at first, which is a really good look. But like, it's obvious that he's doing something sinister because first off, Matt Murdock is having a business lunch with the rhino. Yes, who's a very large Russian man. Yeah, so (laughs) Matt kind of snarks at him at first and says, over this, like, bounty of food, you should order something, Alexi. You're going to shrivel up and blow away. And he goes, heh, is business lunch, no? And Matt's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. (laughs) And we kind of learn that... uh they are talking about Captain Stacy and that he perhaps maybe needs to be eliminated. Yeah, mostly so- because they are wanting to like the status as like Spider Gwen status or like Spider Woman's status, like is kind of nebulous to even these criminals and they think maybe yeah. they should be assisting her. Not that Matt doesn't have a ulterior motive to this, because he yeah. definitely does, but 
Yeah. So Kingpin says, or oh, sorry. So Rhino says, so Kingpin once I killed Big Bacon. Answer me why, Murdoch, and try resisting penchant for Baroque language and making lies through shark-like lawyer teeth, please. <laughs> Which is just, the dialogue is so good. I love Jason Latour's dialogue so much. I do, too. Like, that's, like, one of my, that's definitely one of my favorite things about his writing. Yeah. And it's, um... Shark-like lawyer teeth. Shark-like lawyer, lawyer teeth. <laughs> and at this point, um, Matt says, Simple, Alexi. It's two birds with one stone. One, it takes that pain in the butt George Stacy off the street. And two, well, Spider-Woman looks like she could use a few friends, don't you think? Yeah, putting yourself between the police and Spider-Woman, who's, as far as anyone knows, like a killer on the loose, is not what a hero would do, that's for sure. No, I don't think it's subtle at all that Matt is supposed (laughs) to be a bad guy. Yeah, he's he's got like a he's like doing even the like adjusting his tie thing in the background. Like it like, plays on it just because it plays on our our expectations of what Matt mm-hmm. is. Yeah, but it's definitely turns it on its head, yeah, like um, almost immediately. And I really like it about that. Or I yeah. like that about it. Wow, come <laughs> yeah. on, it's rare form tonight. It's okay. And then we see that here's um tonight only the Mary Janes. And they're all, so we see the band, minus Gwen, of course, because she's a no-show. They're all in matching outfits that are supposed to emulate Mary Jane's, like, signature uh, green and black striped dress from her, like, 1960s appearances in comics. Yes. Which is a very nice, which is a very, like, fun callback. Yes, it's so good. So they're like, how do we play without percussion? And MJ's like, loud as hell. (laughs) which i mean you gotta do what you gotta do right yeah so as they're taking the stage this is was extremely important it still is extremely important to them and as they're going on the stage we see that uh captain stacy is there probably to support his daughter even though his daughter's not there has just well she's tumbled into the green room and is frantically trying to get her spider gwen costume off to get into her uh performing outfit um, and she's like saying to wait, even though yeah, obviously to, they're already nobody's on stage. there. To, yeah, nobody's there to, to to hear her. And so we see them all, you know, playing their hearts out. And then uh, Captain Stacy's in the audience, and he says, "Oh, Gwen, honey, late to your own concert." And uh, we kind of see like a figure behind Captain Stacy at this very crowded venue. Yeah, no sooner does he form that thought than this shadowy figure say, Do not worry for daughter, little pig. I kiss her goodnight for you. And it's and the rhino. It's the rhino showing up. Just, you know, maybe he's he he's appreciates music. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe he's there to kill Captain Stacy. Yeah, I think it's the latter. <laughs> I think it's the latter. Because and, he uh, throws him into the backdrop for the band. And as then we finally Gwen see Gwen, Gwen stage. <laughs> yeah, as Gwen gets on stage, which is extremely bad timing for everybody. She's like, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I really love the, like, the I just love the colors so much. Yeah. Like, they're just so stark and good, and they give a good, like, sense of ambiance to, like, yeah. where this is supposed to be. So it's like a club, and we get a lot of, like... We get like dark 
like dark reds and purples and oranges and like this like really not cool like not neon but it's just got this like really good i don't think flavor is the right word but it's the word i want to use yeah and like silhouetted by a lot of black and a lot of really heavy inks um for like the background objects which is really good because it helps you know really convey that sense of being at a club and yes you know that they're fighting on the stage um, and it's really nice, too, because all of the so the background is all these very warm tones and the rhino is colored in kind of like a blue gray of his skin and his outfit is gray and like a light black. And then Captain Stacy's there in like a, a black suit. So, you know, they contrast against the background very well. And then, of course, Gwen's costume is is white. Yes, um, because she shows up. In costume, right as the rhino's about to smash her dad's face in, um, because exactly. he's reaching for a gun. You know he can't, can't get it. And even if he did get it, we're not sure even if it would affect, yeah, <laughs> anything going on here because the rhino is a huge hulking figure. Yeah, and it's worth noting too. He doesn't. He looks much more like a human being than his six one six appearance, which has like the weird, hor- like he doesn't have a weird horn. He just has like a Klingon forehead. Yes. <laughs> and he's like a big hulking dude. Not yes. like he's not wearing like a costume per no. se. No. He's very like obviously Russian like yeah, monster. Like a, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was what, exactly. What I was say. And um we see Gwen get there just in the nick of time to shoot some webs and basically go to kick his ass and he is kind of confused that she's there because as far as he knows, which is what Matt told him. He was going to kill Captain Stacy to help Spider-Woman out. Yeah. Uh, so he says, Spider-Woman? Hey, what is the give, lady? I am here to be helping you. Oh, I see. You came to club to dance, yes? Ha 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 ha! Dance with Alexi! Bump and grind, yes? <laughs> um, and he grabs her in this big bear hug and, like, squishes her against his chest. <laughs> and she, And she just... Like she like she can't breathe, and it's like in the background. It's both his laughing, con- like like in the background in these like bright colors, and then all of a sudden, like as she starts focusing, like it's her like drum beat, like illustrated in the background, like so she can focus. Man, this is just so good. Like those things are just so good about this. Yeah, and Gwen is really. Um, we see this more in her solo, but she's very imaginative. Like she lives a lot in her head, I think, even um before she got her powers. So it's really neat to see like her kind of how to how she internalizes this stuff. Yeah. And it's you know, she does this a lot, but it, it, it like at that moment it helps her kind of focus and it's kind of like a if you were like watching this fight in like say it was like a movie. It would be that hero focuses on something specific and then gets the power to like move or get away from that situation. Yeah. When she finally breaks free, it's almost like she's drumming, but she's elbowing her way out. Punching him. And punching him. Yes. Like, that's what she's like visualizing. So she finally gets away from him and webs him to the wall. And he's just very confused. Yeah. He's just a very confused man. What is the give? I like how he keeps saying, what is the give? <laughs> like he's trying to use, you know, these English colloquialisms and just can't get it. 
No. And like you, you see him say like lady. Very confused. Yeah, you see him say lady as he she reels back and punches him through the wall. Yeah. Because you don't mess with her dad. No, not at all. And then he's like, and then the rhino's not unconscious. She calls him a, a rando dork. Because she didn't know why he was there. Yeah. So he was just like a random villain that showed up, right? Yeah, like weird. But I like that it hints at like some plot that we may or may not get to see there more of. Yeah. It's this is in media res story that works very well as a setup also. Mm -hmm. And like that's very hard to do. Yeah. The cut of the panels and like there's not a whole lot of environmental storytelling here. But the few times it does come up, like the newspapers and the billboards, it's very good and tells you all you need to know. Like, you're not ever overwhelmed with information. Yeah. It's kind of just there. It's kind of like laid out there for you to catch glimpses of, but you never feel like you're lost. Yeah. Like, I know who Spider-Gwen is by just reading this one issue. Yeah. Robbie Rodriguez's art is pretty incredible in that way i think yeah and we get you know to kind of the aftermath of this because of course captain stacy's on his feet again and uh, he's got spider woman who he's been searching for for probably weeks now yeah so he says freeze don't move an inch and has a gun up behind her head as she stands up from the rhino's unconscious body and it's a bad situation Yeah, because he's putting her under arrest for the murder of Peter Benjamin Parker. Yeah, and she tries to tell him, you know, wait, listen, Peter's death wasn't my fault, at least not in the way that you think. And, you know, he's still threatening her with the gun. Yeah, and like she knows her dad and sees how steady his hands are, um, you know, because he's a good he's a good police captain and she knows that. And I really like the the dialogue here at the end. Yeah. It's 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 a lot, so I won't read it out, but basically she knows that because he's a good cop that he won't just hand her over to an angry mob because that's those are the people calling for her arrest. Yeah, J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, and you know, he's still determined to take her in, but he says she says he won't do that because she actually pulls her mask off. Yeah. Which I wasn't, which when I first, when I first read this, I wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah, me neither. And she calls back to the dialogue that he told her when she was asking for advice on the ban, because she says, but sometimes what we want isn't what the world needs as she pulls off her mask, um, which is the same thing that he told her earlier. He's, you know, puzzling, you know, how this is possible. He's also got probably a concussion or some kind of bad head wound. Yeah. It's It's bleeding from the head. Yeah, probably not good. And I really like the dialogue at the end, so I'm actually I actually am going to read it. Yeah, I was hoping you would. Yeah. And then she says here at the end, You're a good cop, Dad. You put on that badge and carry that gun because you know if you don't, someone who shouldn't will. When I put on this mask, I only did it because it freed me from responsibility. I thought I was special. And Peter Parker died because he tried to follow my example. I have to take responsibility for that to make his death mean something, but I can't do that in a jail cell. This mask is my badge now. If I don't define what it means, monsters like this will. This is where I'm needed most. It's so good. Yeah, no, it's really good. And he has to respect that. He just looks so tired and sad in this last panel that we see him in. 
Like his face is just like his entire world has been shattered. Like this is a man that's probably spent sleepless nights wanting to catch this killer. And now that is his daughter. And he just has to say, damn it, Gwen, go. Go on then. Get the hell out of here before I come to my senses. And then she goes. Yeah. And because she punched the rhino through the wall. So she's in front of the starry night sky and then off she goes into it as the police arrive yeah in a blazing colored uh sound effect of red and blue yeah. which is also awesome yeah the colors of the sound effects tend to indicate who they're coming from too which is god there's so many good small touches here there really is and you know we end on this like indicator that this is a crossover event because we see <laughs> we <laughs> Funny for some reason. We see mysterious Spider-Man clad in the Union Jack flag. Uh, Yes, saying you'll do quite nicely. Who is like, I think like somehow Captain Britain from this Spider-Man universe. Spider UK. Yes, a rookie Captain Britain. Spider UK came to learn of the Great Hunt when Morlin was detected on Earth 1983 killing the Spider-Man of that world, and after watching two other Spider-Totem-connected people get manslaughtered, he runs away to warn others of the murders. Okay. Sure. (laughs) So his... This is actually his first appearance, too! We hadn't seen him before this. But here he is. Here he is. Oh, because he's looking to recruit Gwen, which, I mean, good pick. Yeah. But also, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You sound- oh. Also, his dialogue, his end dialogues makes him sound like a nefarious villain, which he well may be. Yes. I don't know that much about Spider UK. I mean, Captain Britain is certainly a guy. Yeah. So, you I mean, take that as you will. But that ends the issue. And it was outstanding. Like, it is still outstanding. It's even better now. Yeah. Now that you know that this isn't, like, the last... And it does say Spider-Gwen will return in The Amazing Spider-Man number nine, but then she also went on to get her own series, which is probably better outside of this whole Spider-verse nonsense stuff. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. So, yeah. If you haven't read Spider-Gwen by Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez, I highly, highly recommend it. It's very, very, very good. This is a very good place to start this. If you would like to read this, you can find it like almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. You can find it on Marvel Unlimited if you like. If you are into that, if that's your jam, um, it's there. And most of I think this also is in the first trade for Spider Gwen yes. too. Yes, and if you read this, you can read probably the most of, um, not current Spider Gwen stuff, but a lot of when her solos first started because it's been relaunched a couple times just due to marvel nonsense yeah it's just ongoing story arcs or like ones that wrap up and then others that start up yes but yeah that's uh that's this so it's very very chill time as we mentioned previously <laughs> yeah thought about well i wanted i want i still do want to cover um another spider teen anya corazon um aranya or spider girl or whatever she's had like five different code names um i still do want to cover her at some point but one episode wasn't really one to do it it wasn't gonna do it no yeah because even her 
her solo stuff is was a little bit lengthy, and she's had a bit of a longer history than Spider-Gwen. So maybe someday, but... Only a little. I mean, she's been around since, like, the early yeah. 2000s or no, late I was 90s. No, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> she's been in a lot think. of things. Yes. Yes. But that aside, issue aside, go read it. It's really great. We have another cover. Well, we have, no, first we have some questions. Yes, we have covered things to look at, but we also have some questions that you all submitted. Um, so you want to go ahead with those, Mikey? Yeah, so we have one from um, my good friend, the first Sterling, that came to us via email. Thank you, Sterling. It says, hey, y'all, longtime listener and first-time emailer. I can't help but notice during the trials and tribulations of the Young Avengers, Hulk is nowhere to be found. Where is my boy at? You got an answer for that, don't you, Mikey? <laughs> Kinda. Let us let it regale us in the tale of where the Hulk was at this point in time. So, Hulk is obviously not around. That is true. During this time, the event Planet Hulk was going on. There you go. That answers all your questions right there. Yeah. While living as a hermit in Alaska, Bruce Banner is contacted by Nick Fury to help S.H.I.E.L.D. in destroying a rogue space weapon named the God's Eye, which could detonate all the nuclear bombs in the world. Bad. The Hulk is convinced that he is the only being that can save the Earth from a rogue satellite. They then launch the Hulk into space to confront yeah. this problem, like shoot him in a cannon to the moon. Sounds legit. But that doesn't work. And he goes through a wormhole, and he finds himself on this other world. The wormhole, like, weakens you, and he's drafted as a gladiator, which I think is what the stuff from Thor Ragnarok was actually, like, supposed to kind of emulate. Is pulling at, yes, yes. Right. If you have seen Thor Ragnarok- Or even the trailers. Yeah, you have kind of seen what Planet Hulk and, you know, his absence during the Civil War- is all about because that's kind of also what happened in the MCU, right? Yeah. He wasn't around for the whole civil war there either. Oh lord. This he also oh hmm, this is a lot. Ooh. He also had ALS. What? Like Bruce Banner had ALS and had chaos ravaging his mindscape. What? So the Hulk had been split into multiple personalities at this point as well. Oof, 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 oof. So we have yeah, so it's all of that. There's the Green Hulk. The Red Hulk, the Gray Hulk, and Professor Hulk. Actually, I don't think Red Hulk was around yet, but he will be at some point. So he cuts a deal with the three dominant Hulk personalities, which are Green Hulk, the Gray Joe Fixit Hulk, and Professor Hulk, to timeshare their existence in return for stabilizing his fractured psyche and providing him with release from his disease. Because that's how ALS works, right? Um, so he was, <laughs> despite the American army trying to fight him, he was able to retain control until they provided him with the means to cure him by using samples taken from the corpse of his cousin. What? At, like, they take the genetic samples and add them to the Hulk's DNA by Ant-Man? Like, Ant-Man goes into his cellular structure? It's like a magic school bus situation? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, that's all happening. Okay, so your an- answer to your question, Sterling, is the Hulk was on another planet. And also having- had gotten ALS. 
having ALS and being a gladiator. Well, I think at this point he was cured. This was pre-Planet Hulk. Okay, okay. He was in the lead up. He was on another planet being a gladiator. And then World War Hulk comes after this. It's technically after Young Avengers, but I think technically before Civil War. So after he gets back from Planet Hulk and he wants to know why he was sent, he got stronger and he wanted revenge on the Illuminati. Do we want to talk about who the Illuminati are? We don't want to go into that. No, that's not necessary. They're not the same as like the Illuminati in this world. It's a superhero think tank of a bunch of dudes that think they know what's best for the universe. Yes. So really quickly, it's Mr. Fantastic, Iron Man, Professor X, Doctor Strange, Black Bolt, and Namor. Yeah, does anything seem familiar about all of those people? What, they're all dirtbags? They're all white dudes. Well, they're all white dudes that yeah think they know what's best. And they all pretty much think- Have extremely terrible opinions about everything. Right. Well, Black Bolt maybe is okay, but Black Bolt thinks telepathically, and so Charles Xavier is the one that talks for him, which is also not- a great scenario to be in because Charles Xavier is an asshole. So it's just a whole bunch of bad opinions. Honestly, the Hulk should fight them. And if the (laughs) Hulk had really made a dent in them, maybe some other bad things wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't have happened. Agreed. Also, so Black Bolt was a scroll at this point. Okay, yeah, I'm putting this down. (laughs) This is scroll cannon or um, Hulk cannon is just a mess. It's just a mess. Like... Also, Black Bolt was a scroll at this point. Yeah. So, Sterling, the answer to your question is five million they black holes. They shot the Hulk out of a cannon into a black hole. Where he became- Where he spent some time on a planet that was not ours. Yes. And then he came back to Earth after- Even but, stronger, which even was str- not their intent. <laughs> they wanted to get rid of him, but instead they made him stronger. They made him stronger, and then he tried to fight a bunch of, like- white guys who are also assholes yeah uh really quick the joe fix it persona of the hulk way back in the past he was also sent out into space to try to get rid of him this is a recurring (laughs) theme apparently which i did not know i'm learning this and he took a job as an enforcer at a casino and called himself mr fix it (laughs) yeah all right all right all right it's, it's a lot all right sterling also Marvel in in general is not, and comics in general, are not very good at mental health. Oh, no, not at all. But this is, like, even worse because not only does he have this quote-unquote fractured psyche, they eventually become, like, separate entities. Comic books, I guess. So, yeah, that's where your boy is at. He's off in space in gladiatorial combat. All right. Also, his wife was dead at this point, which is also not great. Also not great. And our... Other question we have is from our our editor, Everett Christensen, who sent us a question that hurts me to think about. Yeah, it's it's I I told him it was like picking between my children, which it was. So would you like to read this question, Charlie? I will. Everett asks, Spider-Gwen or Miles Morales? One will be erased forever. Who do you pick and why? Do you know your answer? Because I know my answer. I know my answer, too. You go first. Okay, my answer is... And again, this is like picking between my children. So this is very hard for me. I was like with both Gwen and Miles Morales since they're like number ones. I would erase Spider-Gwen. And even though that is very difficult for me, I think like there are plenty of female spider people out there. Like Spider-Gwen is great. 
But I think Miles is more important for like diversity as well as like having more black characters in comics to erase that would be really awful in my opinion. Yeah, no, my answer was basically the same as yours because of the same reasons. Yeah. So Miles being Spider-Man, like being Spider-Man in that book is very important. Yeah. And it would just be like a damn shame to like erase all of that. Yeah. And I love Gwen and I want her to be around forever. But, you know, we're talking about basically an earth shattering event, not earth shattering like Marvel always tells you everything is earth shattering. Yeah. but. It did cause the whole thing, like, when that was announced, so... Oh, it did. People were mad, because what happened for Miles Morales to exist? Miles Morales, if you don't know, was Ultimate Spider-Man for quite a while. I'm not too sure, like, what his status is. Charlie would know more than I would about what his... He's in the 616 now. Okay, that's what I thought. So, Peter Parker was killed in the Ultimate Universe, and then several months later, Byron Michael Bendis, who created Ultimate Spider-Man... And by proxy, the ultimate universe, for better or for worse. So he came back a couple months later with a new Ultimate Spider-Man number one. This was featuring Miles Morales, who is not only is he black, his dad is African-American and his mom is Latina. So not only is he black, but he's mixed race, mixed heritage. And so he goes to a um, science and technology high school in New York City. He's very smart. With his friend, I want to say Gonk, but that's not right. No. Genki? Is that it? Genki. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, he has to deal with being Spider-Man in a world that has lost Spider-Man and kind of like dealing with what that means and um, his own identity and dealing with family stuff that comes up um, and also school. I thought it was really good at the time. Like, Bendis is kind of, like, comes and goes. I fell off of it for a little while just because I couldn't keep reading, like, a bajillion things. And he was, like, coming into the 616 more and doing, like, more stuff in groups with other people. So I didn't have to read his solo as much. But he's a character that I'm glad to see, like, stay popular and be brought into more things. Because not only do I like him, but I think probably other people can do a better job with him than Bendis did. And it also helps for him to have more visibility. So yeah, he's he's very near and dear to my heart. Yeah, he's very important and he's super great. So go check that out if you haven't. Or you can wait till the Spider-Verse animated series that's coming out, I believe, Christmas of this year? Yes. It's the, the full-length animated movie, not series. Yes. You could wait, or you could go read comics. Yeah, whatever you whatever you want to do. Or he's been in. He's also been in cartoons. Yeah, um, he's been in quite a bit of stuff now, which is awesome. So yeah, that leads us to our last segment of the podcast, which we are now calling this or that. Yeah, like an old timey game show. Yep, this or that. It's like a Price is Right game, except for I'm not guessing any prices. I'm guessing plots to comic books. You don't want to spin the wheel. That's the wrong game. No, you no, spin the wheel at the end of Price yeah, is Right. You do spin the wheel, but it's not like the... Trust me, I've watched a lot of Price is Right. It's not the game show that everybody knows about spinning the wheel for. Fine. I'm t- listen. Anyway. Okay. So this is a segment in which we look at two covers for books that we have not read, and we try to describe what's happening on them and try to guess... Which one is better? You try and figure out which one's better based on the covers alone and what yes, stories and what the story may is. lie inside. Mm-hmm. 
this week. Take it away, Charlie. It's yours. This week, uh, we have another set of covers uh, submitted by a friend of the show, Papa72546 on Twitter, who sent us these and asks, which school dance was the dreamiest, do you think? So that's the criteria, Mikey. You got it? Yes, I understand. And these two covers. And this is some wild shit I didn't even know existed. All right, describe them to me. The first cover is emblazoned with Archie meets the Punisher. <laughs> and it is the Riverdale High School sock hop and Archie and some other Archie characters because I've not, I'm sorry, Veronica. I don't know. Veronica Archie's, and Betty's in yeah. there somewhere. Yeah. Um, are all at the dance. And then and the then Punisher and the is standing are in, the background. in the foreground with a gun. <laughs> like, I don't think he read out that word bubble. <laughs> the, the one, the one that uh, Archie's saying? Uh-huh. I knew there'd be a chaperone, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> it also states on the bottom, the team up you thought would never happen. Archie and the Punisher. Wish you were, wish you were right? Yeah, wish you were right. So I guess, jeez, this is a whole thing. <laughs> All right. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the second one is also very much a thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> I kind of like the implication on this cover, though. So this second one is uh, Archie versus the Predator. Like the predator, like to the chopper predator. Yep. Uh, dancing at a sc- another school function where there are balloons everywhere, and Archie is standing in the background with his arms crossed, and Betty and Veronica are dancing with the predator, and eyeing and like, like Betty's like eyeing him, like side eyeing the predator because she's like super into it. It looks like. Would you like to describe the Predator's attire here? <laughs> He's wearing fishnets. Uh-huh. And also other ar- various armor with a, like, with a, an, looks like an armored jockstrap. Mm-hmm. I don't want to think about the Predator's junk, but I just did. And he's got, like, this, what do you call the people that do, like, the, like, Jazz Age and the whole Nine Yards? Like the, like the Roaring Twenties people? Yeah. I can't. Uh, 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 flappers. Flap, flappers. Flappers. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. He's got like this like flapper fringe on his like armored jockstrap slash short shorts. Also like he's got fishnets not only on his legs but all over his body. Yeah. He's and like, you he- can see his extremely weird hairy alien body. <laughs> he's got fishnet shirt on. He's Nate graying it up. And uh, he's got his mask on, so there's no, like, predator face. Yeah, that would probably be bad, but he's uh, he's busting in some moves. He is. He is. Um, okay, so just solely based off of these two. Yeah, which was the dreamiest high school dance? There's some high, there's some high levels of sexual tension coming off of the Archie versus the Predator comic. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I would like to think that Archie and the Predator engage in a dance-off. I will accept that canon. Um, and I, I think the predator wins because he's very skilled at hunting 
Yes. Um, and he's got that like supervision so he can like judge he can see how all the other people are dancing and try to imitate it yeah I agree with his highly honed uh, reflexes yeah and it may or may not be a dance off to the death because <laughs> that's that's uh, that's how they do it right like everything's to the death so this has to be a dance off to the death yeah so I mean no matter what I mean I don't think Archie's killing the predator yeah the Punisher one would just be, like, him being a grumpy dad, right? Yeah, right? Like, people keep asking him for refills of punch, and he tells you that he doesn't know where the punch bowl is. <laughs> Get your own punch, kid. Yeah, exactly. Or, or meet my fist. Do you like that kind of punch? <laughs> nice. That's exactly what happened there. Yeah. Which is just a very, very bad school dance. Yeah, just it's like it's like having your mom or dad be the chaperone to your dance, but with yep. more violence and guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this one definitely, this one was definitely a better time, even if it probably ended in bloodshed. Also, I think he's uh successfully uh gotten both Betty and Veronica on his side. Yeah, there is definitely something happening at the end of that night. Yeah, I don't want to think about that though. No, um... I don't either. Um, I'm usually into into the mon- into the monstrous, but uh, that predator doesn't really do it for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, however, uh, if you would like to go read Archie versus the Predator, it was published by Dark Horse Comics. So go. Um, it's more. It's the more recent of the two, for sure. Yeah. So go go check that out. Let me know if I'm maybe. Right. <laughs> we we learned we learned that uh, there was not in fact Robot Masterpiece Theater and Rom Space Night, and I was very sad. Yeah, well, it lives in our hearts, so yes. whatever. In our dreams. Yes. So that concludes this week's this or that segment. It's going to be okay? Yeah, I'm still looking at it. <laughs> okay. That's gone now. <laughs> All right. I still can't uh, get over the Hulk cannon. Like, I knew that was a thing, but I wanted to make sure to get the correct information of what actually happened. So I was paraphrasing from the Marvel Wiki, and it was so much worse than I imagined. Yeah, don't don't go there, kids. Hulk cannon is just it's just a mess, uh, much like Predator cannon. Actually, if you've ever wondered, like, so Dark Horse has actually published a lot of different Predator and Alien comics, and they all exist in some kind of nebulous, weird canon um, that is also in canon with the games and any other movies, and it's all very bad is all I know. They just keep making it because I guess it makes money, but it's all very... If I, like, if you thought the Star Wars extend or either Star Wars or Star Trek extended universe was bad, like, AVP lore is, like, way a thousand times worse. Yeah. Don't look up that. <laughs> look up Archie versus the Predator, which is probably very heartwarming, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, go check that out. That ends our episode for today. So, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, we are at Young Ones Cast on Twitter, and you can talk to us there, um, leave comments and concerns and or anything you'd like to leave us there. Um, we didn't mention it last time, but please, if you can, rate and review on iTunes. Or Stitcher. Or Stitcher, but iTunes, you know, helps us get to more people because you know some people have those iphones those good good iphones those iphones those iphones what are you like 80 yes those iphones um or you can find us on iphones i'm gonna no (laughs) um 
find us also on Stitcher or Google Play, uh, the Google Play Store. Or on youngonescast.com. Yes, where you can find our lovely articles written by our editor, Everett Christensen, um, usually every Tuesday. They go up because our show schedule has moved to every Thursday. So if you'd like to do any of that, you know, let us know what you think and let us you know, know what we can do better or if we're doing great already, um, let us know there. You can find me at Genetic Ghost on Twitter, and that is where I live mostly. I mean, I live in a home, but I also live on Twitter. <laughs> no, you just, you've constructed a home out of uh, Twitter birds, cardboard, and data, which would actually, existing purely in Twitter, would actually be a hellscape, I think. Yeah, it would be. I'm not, no, not doing that. Um, I talk about... If you think the other world in Silent Hill is bad, try existing purely in Twitter. <laughs> I talk about a lot of things there, but mostly the ups and downs of being a comic book fan. If you are interested, you can catch me, and you should catch me, um, on an upcoming episode of Battle of the Atom, where um, my good friend Zach and Adam rate three X-Men stories from best to worst and put them on their long, long list of x-men stories what you know as many x-men stories as there are um i will be on an episode upcoming where i torturously put them through um a good shatterstar story a dubious shatterstar story and perhaps the worst shatterstar story of all time <laughs> oh boy because that's my brand and i'm sticking to it um so if you would like to um just tune in and listen to that more certainly um you should listen to them on the regular they are battle of the atom but mikey where can people find you uh i am on twitter at quantum dot dot that's pretty much it for now you can also find me on twitch.tv as quantum dot if i do stream it will be up on twitter for sure I should be streaming more game design soon now that I've read like I read like four RPGs in the past week. Good job. Yeah. Now I got to read Gen X. Got to get. Now you got to read Gen X. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Also, catch us on next week's episode where we have a lovely Q&A with Christina Strain about Generation so excited. X. And it's, it's going to be, be great. Super exciting and super great. And tune in and get some uh, hot X-Men takes. Probably not really hot takes. Yeah, the only thing I'm not looking forward to that is recording on Skype. Yeah, Skype. But you gotta do mm. what you gotta do. Yeah, just looking off into the distance while I download Skype on my computer and then immediately <laughs> delete it. I don't even know. Uh, the Skype on Mac is... Hopefully it works. <laughs> Let's just say well, that. that's reassuring. Um, okay. I mean, it's well, been a while since I've used it, but... Oh, boy. Okay, well, <laughs> we're gonna try. We are definitely gonna try. Anyway, that has been our podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Yeah, thank you so much. I've seen like a lot of really, really nice feedback. Yes. We really appreciate y'all because we wouldn't be here. Well, we would be here, but like we would be broadcasting into a void, which is no fun. So no one avoids, I mean, vacuum. No one likes to be shot into a void, especially not the whole. Oh, no, and I don't want to be anything like that. So that said, thank you. And I'll. We'll see you next week. Goodbye and good night. No, no, that's not, not our <laughs> no, line either. No, that's not it. No, okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.